Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, this episode is sponsored by italki and their service fits in really well with episodes of my podcast the two things complement each other really well you can get loads of natural input from my episodes pick up some vocabulary notice aspects of grammar and pronunciation and then activate all of it in your italki speaking sessions check out teacherluke.co.uk slash talk for more information and when you buy some talking time italki will give you a voucher for a free lesson, teacherluke.co.uk slash talk, or just click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. How are you doing? Welcome back to part two of this double episode called Becoming a Dad with Andy and Ben. I may need to rethink that title, actually. It sounds a bit misleading. Becoming a Dad with Andy and Ben. It sounds a bit like I'm becoming a dad with Andy and Ben, as if somehow Andy and Ben are involved. I'm not sure about that idea. I mean, they definitely weren't involved, okay? Nevertheless, here is Becoming a Dad with Andy and Ben, part two in which I'm talking to my friends Andy and Ben about their experiences of becoming a father for the first time. And I'm trying to learn a few things about what it will be like when I become a dad in a matter of weeks. Andy and Ben are like seasoned professionals at this now. They both have two kids. And in part one, you heard us talking about things like conception, trimesters, epidurals, and all sorts of other things. And we left it on a bit of a cliffhanger with me asking Andy and Ben about the, the, the moment their first children were born, so the moment of birth. So we get straight into it here in part two by talking about the big day, the moment when it's time to get to the hospital and then all hell breaks loose. Now, this is probably the most crucial moment of the whole process and can also be quite a dangerous day as well. So there is often drama and a lot of nerves. It's a nerve-wracking experience. And we'll be talking about it in some detail in this episode. So if childbirth is a topic that you're sensitive about, just have a think about it before embarking on this episode. I think I'm prepared for the big day. I think mentally and also in terms of our our home and, and all that stuff but it's going to be a big rush to deal with and no doubt it will be quite emotional even going for scans is quite a big deal so it's hard to imagine what the actual birth will be like anyway let's carry on see if you can identify the things that Andy and Ben are saying and stick around because in the second part of this episode I'll go through lots of the vocab that you're hearing and uh, that will turn this into a great learning opportunity for you, okay? So let's now get straight back into the conversation with Andy and Ben 
And here we go. Can you tell me about the the moment of childbirth? How did you know that your wife was going into labour? Can you tell us? Um, With my partner, she basically um, just told me that she thought her water had broken in the morning. Um, she just told you. She, she said, oh, "I think my waters are broken." I was sort of on on my way to work actually, and um, she wasn't really sure. And she was sort of, I'm in an hour in a bit, but she said, oh, "I think my waters are broken." And I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to go into work because <laughs> I need to go." And I had a few things that I was sorting out. It was actually quite unfortunate because um, I was I had a two week window to be training somebody who was going to fill in my role while I was taking my paternity leave. Because um, you're, you're sort of, um, you're kind of a big I'm, deal now at the London School of English. Well, I'm like a courses manager at the school, yeah. So um, one of my colleagues was, I was due to be training up, so she was going to sort of cover me while I was taking my paternity leave. Um, so basically I came into work for about an hour and said to her, this is going on now and she basically didn't have any training she was just (laughs) thrown into the courses manual assistant courses manager role at that time um on the back of me just saying right you gotta do this this and this and then running out the door so um wow (laughs) so wait a minute your 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 wife told you in the morning she said my waters have broken so what like uh where was she she was in bed or or what she she got up in the morning and went to the loo and it was um more, more more liquid came out than she was anticipating. <laughs> okay, all right. She wasn't really, she was, she was a bit weird. She wasn't really convinced it had happened, but she said, oh, I think my waters are broken. And I said, okay, fine, you know, you, we can deal with that. But I do have to go into work for an hour just to explain the situation, which I did. And then, yeah, yeah. And then what, you just sort of calmly went to hospital? Is that what calmly, happened? Well, actually, uh, the contractions were pretty slow, actually. And she actually took her ages to start contracting properly um we went to the hospital i think after about 36 hours of labor Ooh. it was very very slow wow um 30, and when we, 36 hours of contractions yeah they were very very minor at the beginning um Almost like, I don't know if you've heard of something called Braxton Hicks. Oh, yeah. Never heard of Braxton, Braxton Hicks. Hicks. are like sort of um, false contractions women start to get, sort of around the time you are now in um, your or your wife's pregnancy. I did um, actually, we, I heard about that yesterday from the French midwife, but she didn't, okay. call it, she didn't call it Braxton Hicks. She might have called it Braxton Hicks, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. But she was talking about false contractions yesterday, so that's okay. what she was yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they, they were sort of a bit on the par with that, really, but we knew the, her water had broken. Um, but it was just very, very slow, and it gradually built up. And actually, when we arrived in the hospital, um, she was actually already nine centimetres dilated. Nine centimetres. Wow. Yeah. That's almost there. So it was ten, almost there. Ten is, is, is there. Ten is pretty. Ten is a magic yeah, yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we got to the hospital and everything just stopped. Just weirdly, it just all slowed down. And we waited there for, I don't know, 12, 14 hours. And they decided to do a induce um, to get that last centimetre. Mm. So, wait. Uh, sorry, during all this time, so the 36 hours pre-hospital and then the uh 14 hours or whatever it was of her being uh in in labor uh in the hospital was she in a lot of pain 
Not massively, actually. Um, a little bit when she was at home, um, but not not what I was expecting. You know, I was expecting screaming the house down, and that mm. didn't actually materialise for me on my first kid, anyway. <laughs> um, and then we got to the hospital, and things just sort of stopped, and then gradually during the day it kicked on again. But, okay, and then they yeah. then they induced her. You said. Yeah, because it, um, she wasn't going that last centimetre. It just sort of dried up, really. Um, so they induced her, and then it gradually started opening. Um, but then, basically, just things went wrong somehow, and um, we ended up with a cesarean. So. Mm. Oh, right, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK, yeah. that must have been pretty scary. It, for me, it was very scary, Um for my wife, she was just out of it. She didn't mm. have a clue what was going on. Mm. She, you know, she was drugged up to the hilt. She had the epidural. She was on some other painkillers. Mm. For me, it was, um, I think Andy mentioned in his one, that he had suddenly a crack team of, of doctors yeah. come into yeah. the room. Um, exactly the same for me. So I was, we were sitting there, an alarm went off, and 15 people mm. ran into the room. Mm. One of them threw a pair of scrubs at me, which is like the... Um, the medical clothes surgical gown surgical yeah. gown and said we're going to theatre and I was just standing there and sort of, okay. I love the theatre <laughs> like oh what are we going to see Shakespeare are <laughs> <laughs> we going to see Star Wars <laughs> yeah within but, 15 minutes the baby was here it was just that, that quickly so you're sitting there after 14 hours going well this is you know this is a bit boring it, isn't it you know yeah. like uh, it's not, not the drama I expected and then suddenly 15 doctors bowl in one of them throws some scrubs at you get those on and get in there now get in get the theatre and they just whisk, whisk my wife away to the, to the theatre so mm. yeah and, and then um, I guess yeah as you said they did the caesarean and then next thing you know baby baby yeah, okay, yeah. Was, was really your, quick really fast and yeah Okay, good. So I guess it all worked out in the end. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we, we had a similar experience because um, I think my one of my big worries before um, our first was born was Natasha waking me up in the middle of the night saying it's happening because I'm not really a man for a crisis. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I would be running around like a headless chicken. But fortunately for us, um, because of going through IVF and my wife developed gestational diabetes. So it's, it's really common apparently um, to get diabetes while you're pregnant. It's the, it's the strangest thing. And you have to be careful with it because too much sugar going through the um, placenta can make the baby grow too quick, too quickly. So we had to be induced at 38 weeks, um, which is why the baby came earlier than the, than the original due date. So we had it all booked in. It was brilliant. So, we, you know, we had to be there at, at lunchtime on a Saturday. So we got a cabin and it was grey. And, and then, you know, and then they start, they did a very um, soft induction. So inducing is when they kind of give you chemicals to try and encourage the contractions to start or to start the pregnancy. And with with our first, it was a very mild drug that they used. So it, it happened really, really slowly. And so we started, we started, I think it was two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and our first was born at half nine the following morning. So not quite 24 hours, but I think 18 hours. Mm. But actually it was the night that the clocks changed here. So we had an extra hour. 
So my wife always reminds me of that. When I say it was 17 hours, she goes, no, 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 it was 18 hours because the clock's changed. The clock's changed. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just really, really slow. But then um, she was 10 centimetres dilated. It was all ready to go. But then it suddenly stopped, like with oh. you, Ben. Um, but with us, what had happened, though we didn't really know this at the time, was that um, our son had got stuck in the birth canal so the, the very last part before the baby comes out it's called the birth canal and what had happened is the umbilical cord had got wrapped around his neck and so he couldn't go any further so that's when the all the the, the people came rushing into the room and they had to use like the forceps and do a little bit of um, surgery to to make to to, to widen you know the, to to get the baby out. Mm. And then the scariest thing for me, and and I don't want this to scare you, but I think this just happens quite a lot. But when when our son came out, he was like a funny blue colour, and he wasn't making any noise. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, I, I can't believe this is happening after we waited this long to have a child that, you know, we, this, this is happening. Yeah. And immediately um, they cut the umbilical cord, cord and took him over to the resuscitation table and they were like giving him like a, a form of CPR to get his heart going. And it, and it happened straight away. He started going straight away. And yeah. my wife at this time was a bit out of it as well because they'd given her quite a lot of yeah. um, painkillers because they That's had the to, scary time for you as the dad because you, you're aware yeah. of what's going on. Yeah, and, and she your isn't. Your wife often. isn't really. They can't see, they can't, you know, they're not seeing what's, they're not seeing the action and you are. Mm. <laughs> they're, they're in control of anything yeah. and, and you're just was, like uh, sort of quite helpless really. But it's, it's weird because it was like a real, it was a very calm and, and professional kind of atmosphere in the room but you could, it was like controlled panic if you like. Mm. You could tell that they had to be quick to do it. And actually afterwards, one of the nurses said to me that, you know, they wouldn't have wanted to leave that any longer because he was he was having trouble breathing. Um, So anyway, so they were they were doing resus on the table and they said, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Do you want to come and see your baby? And I was just like, can I? (laughs) I don't know why I said that, but they said, yeah, "Yeah, of course you can. And I, I had to walk from one side of the room to the other, but my legs were so shaky. I had to like walk with my hands on the walls to get around to the Mm. wall. Yeah. And then when I got there, first of all, I saw this massive junk because, you know, when babies are born, their their genitals are all swollen through all the um, (laughs) hormones. (laughs) Wait a minute, his his genitals were like really big because they were swollen? It's it's normal, Luke, yeah. It's normal. Oh, all right. And so, first thing I saw it was a boy and and I think I must have told my wife three times that it was a boy before she actually clocked what I was saying because she was so she was in a bit of a daze um and then I remember I put my hand on him on his chest and he immediately kind of made a noise and that's the first noise he made and then that was me finished I just burst out crying yeah and then he weed all over the nurse and I was like yes everything's fine (laughs) that's my boy that's my boy. Yeah. It's so, interesting you say about the crying because for me, that I held it together. I don't know how I did because I'm quite, scream, quite squeamish mm. um, anyway. Mm. Um, I don't know how I held it together, but I did. And then as soon as I got outside on my own and I was, I was about to call my mum and just say that everything's all right, that's when I really broke down. And yeah. Like, oh, my God, I've just been in there. There's <laughs> yeah. just babies yeah. coming. Oh, my God. Like, yeah it's, so. it's just insane and, and, and the second one was was the complete opposite it just kind of the, the contraction started and then a couple of pushes and out he slid it was just really really easy so it was the complete opposite and, and crying away shouting away so 
there was no drama there was only us and the midwife in the room there's only three people in the room two of them were the parents so it was the complete opposite so i hope that you have something closer to that and you have no dramas but if there are dramas don't worry you you know you're in safe hands yeah i think the message to take really luke is that pretty much anything can happen (laughs) you're not in control of of any of it really you just have to go with the flow and you know it's all right in the end yeah Yeah. so when uh during the actual birth what were you where exactly were you standing I was standing on. I was standing next to my wife, holding her hand. Right. Was yeah, it? Was it that? Much. Was it that cliche of her her squeezing your your hand really tight? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. So that that's fairly really. You did. Do you actually? Did you actually choose to look during the moment of the birth? I did actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite squeamish, but I just dealt with it. I don't know how I did, but it's. <laughs> Would Something you, that you'll never ever be prepared for. No. It's, it's, you'll never, never be prepared for it. It will happen to you, and it will just—you'll take it in. But I—I I, I can't describe what that you're going to see. Would you? Rec- <laughs> would you recommend that I look? Uh, um, I, well, I didn't for our first, but for some reason, the midwife on the second one said, "Do you want to come and have a look?" And for some reason, I, I did. And it, I think Russell Brand, when he had his child, he said it's a bit like seeing your favourite pub burn down. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I kind of regret it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, but but you never. I mean, I just the curiosity got the better of me, and I thought, well, yeah, why not? And but the thing, is, I went down to have a look, expecting not really to see much. But there was like this this head like this, you know, poking out. Sorry, I just uh, you can't see on the podcast, but I'm I'm trying to illustrate what I could see. There was just this this head poking out the top of a head. It was really yeah. yeah. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, well, my wife actually has said to me, no, you're not you're not going to look. I'm you know, I'm not letting you look. So I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to look. Okay, well, that's good. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fine. Fine. I don't think you really need to ask us yeah. anything about this. It sounds like your wife has got it she's all got under it, control. Yeah. She's got everything under control. Yeah, she's totally uh, got everything sorted. Yeah. Um, all right. Fine. So uh, then, after I guess you stayed in the hospital for a bit, you know, until the, the yep. baby was ready to go, and then uh, you you came home and stuff. And so, what what about the first couple of weeks? What's that like? For me, actually, I was like, this is easy. It, it was it was fine. It, it is the, easy. The, the to baby start with. was just sleeping all the time. Yeah. Changed his nappy four or five times a day. Didn't really wake up. It was like this is easy. I've nailed this parenting like, you know. There's not much to do. Maybe a feed in the night, but not very long and yeah, yeah. that that was it. I was like, God, this is actually all right. I, I thought this was gonna be a lot harder. After about three or four weeks, he sort of woke up, and yeah. immediately it was. Um, it gets harder. Very hard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, what, so a couple of weeks of kind of dormant uh, baby after they after they're sort of still a bit sleepy from the from the birth, and then once they kind of start to wake up, that's when yeah. it really kicks in. Then is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I, yeah, I think. I, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, it wasn't. I remember those first two weeks were a bit. There was very little sleep, but. Also, they were very low maintenance. I mean, I mean mm. we came home from hospital and we 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 put our son down in his cot, and I looked at my wife and I said, "What do we do now?" And she went, well, "Why don't you just make me a cup of tea?" I said, All right, I'll do that then. And we didn't, you know, there was there was literally nothing to do. It was the baby was asleep, yeah. you know, and it, it was it was quite. It's, it's actually a, quite a nice time if you can get 
sort of manage the people who are desperate to try and see you yeah. and the baby, that's, which that's, is that's, you know, that's people a, hound you because they're desperate to meet it. Um, if you can manage that well, it's actually quite a nice time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, why don't we... I've got a little quiz here, mm-hmm. which is entitled, Are You Ready to Be a Dad? <laughs> and these are all questions about um, what you need to know about with newborns in particular. So we are going to ask you some questions, and I'm try- I am don't think I know some of the answers to this, but we'll see what you think, okay? Okay. And apparently this will give you your, your baby IQ. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, I'm ready, right. for the, I'm ready for the quiz. I'm not sure if I'm ready for the baby, but... Uh... I'm ready for the quiz in any case. And we'll see, okay. if, we'll see if I'm ready for the baby. Okay. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Ben the questions too and you two can have a little competition. But you're going to answer first, Luke. Okay? All right, cool. All right, question one. How long should you let your newborn cry at night before picking her up? So you've got less than one minute, five to ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes, or until she stops. What do you think, Luke? Well, I don't think it should be too quick because, you, you know, you shouldn't sort of uh, get the kid into the habit of uh, crying and then receiving, you know, that attention. So I think you should leave it for a while. Is it five to ten minutes or is it... I don't think it's until they stop because what happens if they never stop? You know, you've got to pick the kid up to at some point. So is it five to ten minutes or what was the third option? Ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen minutes of crying. No. I don't know, I man. This question largely depends on your parenting style, That's I would true. say. Actually. It does depend on your parenting style. There's a wrong answer here. I, I, you know. I, I, what I understand from the Native Americans is that <laughs> what they would do with a crying child is that they'd uh, wrap the kid up in a basket and hang the kid from a tree until it stopped crying. Uh, now, I don't know if that's that's really... Uh, I'm not sure that's going to fly in Paris. I'm not sure that would work in Paris because we don't have that many trees here. That's the only reason. Um, yeah. But, but um, I don't know if that's really the best uh, idea either. I don't know. I think probably... I'm going to say... Ooh, I'm going to say 10 to 15 minutes, but that seems like quite a long time for your baby to be crying. It'd be very difficult to, to not pick them up after 10 minutes yeah, of crying. Yeah, that's what you'll find, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I don't know if this is going to give answers. Mm. Uh, was, okay, I'll put 10 to 15. All right, next question. I'll give you the answer in a minute if okay. I can get it. Okay, okay. How many times a day... This is a good one. How mm. many times a day does the average newborn need to feed? Is it three meals a day every four hours, eight to 15 times, or on the hour every hour? Oh my god, I don't really know. Newborn, newborn, yeah. I can't. It can't be once an hour every hour, can it? Because uh, they need to sleep. So I'd say every four hours. Ben, it's yeah, a bit less than that. I'd say. No, I'd say it's every eight. It's eight to fifteen times a day. I'm fairly certain of that. Yeah. Fairly certain of that. So we're going to wait until the end of the quiz before we get the answers to that one, right? We are, yeah. But, but in uh, your in your experience, every two three hours is what I would say. Every two yeah. or three hours. Fairly mm-hmm. certain that wasn't an option. Yeah, it wasn't, but that would fit really with eight to fifteen, 15 times a day. Yeah. Eight yeah. to fifteen times it's, a day, you think? Well, I, the thing that I remember from when we did our classes is that the a newborn's baby, a newborn baby's stomach, it has a um, is the size of a, a euro or a pound coin. So it, it fills quickly, but it empties quickly. So they do need to feed a hell of a lot. Oh, that's small. Um, wow. Okay. Okay, here we go. This is one. Um, what sort of present would your partner turned mum appreciate most? So what sort of present would your wife appreciate the most? An outfit for the baby, 
a bouquet of flowers or a voucher to pamper herself with a facial massage or manicure and the time off to do it? It's a stupid question. It's obviously number it's, three. It's, it's, it's so question. basically, get yeah, a present yeah. for the baby or a present for her? Present for her, of course. Obviously. Yeah, because we've already got everything we need for the baby. And, I mean, she's just gone through childbirth, so she needs to be pampered. Yeah, so definitely option three. Uh, okay. the, the the pampering session pampering but actually wife. for my wife because she's French you know what the first thing she wants is any idea red what wine? the first thing not red wine actually cause she's not a big drinker cheese. it's not cheese but it could be she, yeah she basically she wants a uh, a bunch of charcuterie which is, <laughs> you know like um like yeah. dried cured meats and things yeah, like you know different kinds of ham and cheese she's so french she's like that's the first thing she wants she wants like you know a, a, a load of french food that she hasn't been able to eat uh since she got oh, pregnant. She's been pregnant yeah, yeah, yeah so that's the thing she just wants to eat some really nice french food okay yeah. Next question. Which one of the, this is a good one as well. Which one of these should you use to clean your baby's umbilical cord? Because when, this is, this is something I didn't realise, but when the baby is born, they cut the umbilical cord, but they leave about four centimetres. Yeah. Three, four like centimetres. Yeah. And they have a little peg attached. Like a clip. To their like belly. a clothes peg almost. Really? And, that's how, and they go home like that, yeah. And what happens if you let the peg go? Does the, everything just come out and that's it? Like a balloon? <laughs> yeah. don't, let the, don't let the peg go. Don't let the and peg then, go, no, of course. And then after a few days, it will fall off um, naturally. Um, so which of these should you use to clean it? So the, it the umbilical cord, not the peg. The, yeah, the umbilical cord. Okay. So rubbing alcohol, antiseptic, plain water or baby shampoo? Oh, baby, baby shampoo. It wouldn't be baby shampoo because that's for hair, isn't it? Antiseptic alcohol. It's gonna. That's gonna be painful, isn't it? Yeah. Um. I think the alcohol antiseptic. That's what I'd put on myself if my umbilical yeah. cord w- was out. Yeah. I, that's what I'd use. But I think you shouldn't do that on a baby. It would be too painful. And what too- would the Native Americans do? I have no idea on that one. I don't know. They'd probably. Uh, use buffalo turds or something I don't know but, <laughs> but um, I think um, I, I actually I'm going to say the shampoo I think that it's probably uh, no it's totally the wrong answer I don't know I was going to say shampoo because I thought the alcohol would be too painful but I guess you've got to make sure it doesn't get uh, infected right no, it's, I, it's definitely ba- it's just plain water plain it's water, just water it's just water right oh this is he's not doing very well is he <laughs> oh here we go here's a good one what is the average amount of time it takes for a baby to learn how to sleep through the night? Is it three months? Sorry, three weeks, three months, 12 months, or two years? It's got to be two years. I, yeah. think right. I mean, just based on what I've heard from, from other parents, you know, the amount of, of complaining that I've heard from other parents about how, oh, you're never going to sleep, all that kind of thing, it's got to be the longest option, which in this case yeah. is two years. Yeah, I mean, my son's almost three, and he he only really got it about six months ago. So he was, yeah, he's he's not great. Okay, last question: What is the recommended position for sleeping babies? On her tummy, on her side, on her back, or in her car seat, <laughs> or hanging from a tree? Um, it's got to be. Um, I don't think on her tummy is not a recommended position. I think um, uh, on her side, no. Surely not. I don't think babies can sleep, can lie on their side. I think it's on their back, on her yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But one, 
Correct. One thing I've heard is that you've got to make sure the head is not always in the same position because then you, they end up with a flat head. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like sometimes you, you put the baby down one way and then you put it down the other way so that it's not always turning its head to the same direction. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so to make sure the head gets fully rounded. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. I can't it's believe. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right, do you want to know what your score was? Okay. Uh, you got two right. I got two right? Oh, God. So the first one was how long should you let your newborn cry? It's less than one minute because when newborns cry, um, I, I can read you the advice, but it just says tune in and respond immediately because they only cry for two reasons. When they, Well, they only really cry for one reason when they're small, and that's because they're hungry. Oh, Okay. All right, so that's when they're newborn, but like later on, you can leave them a bit longer. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's up to. Yeah, it's definitely down to the parent. I think so. The, the Native Americans are totally wrong about this one. Well, I think so. Okay, I'm yeah. not, it's not. It's not our position to say. I don't. I don't want to upset your Native American listeners. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> listening on the all, reservation to Luke's English podcast. All my Native American friends. Right, all them. Yeah. All them. Um, how many times a day does a newborn need to feed? It is eight to fifteen times. Um, it varies. Some babies will feed more often than that, some less, but it's usually between 8 and 15. Um, right. Yeah, you got the present one right, the voucher for the facial and so on. Yeah. Well done. All right. Um, All right. We talked about the umbilical cord, and it's plain water, not shampoo. What was the other one? Oh, we got this. We all got this one wrong. Apparently, it says the average amount of time it takes for a baby to learn to sleep through the night, it says three months. <laughs> bullshit yeah rubbish absolute bollocks absolute Absolute rubbish bollocks okay well um i mean look we could keep talking about this for ages but we we don't have uh, that much time but i mean how about now tell me some positive things please i want you to really sell the whole experience to me now because i need to because i'm fed up with like people telling me how difficult it's going to be and how traumatic it is and how you never sleep and all that stuff but you've got to sell sell it to me now why the hell am i doing this guys we don't have to. It's too late. We can just tell you how terrible it's going to be. There's nothing, nothing you can do about it. I need, I need you to, to put a positive spin on it for me. Because otherwise I'm just going to, you know... Like I'm, yeah. I'm having dinner with my wife later, right? Yeah. And what I don't want to do is sit down with her and go, oh, God, this is going to be so difficult. You know, I don't want to do that. Instead, I want to... Yeah. I have, when we're having dinner, uh, I want to be able to like, be all positive and wonderful about the whole thing. So please sell the idea to me, if you would. Uh, uh, well, I, I, when a baby is born, um, the mother and the father are both flooded with um, a particular hormone. Mm. And it's, it's like the love hormone, the happiness hormone. And it is an, it, it's an incredible, incredible feeling. Um, you, you know, it, it's difficult to describe and it's difficult to conceive of ever loving anybody as much as you will love your kids yeah i mean it's just it is the most powerful thing definitely but that's actually something you should be aware of because suddenly probably your wife is your number one person and she's going to be relegated and so will you actually yeah. in her mind and that's something you should, yeah. should be I mean, aware of that the kids will take priority ben and i are both we're but we're what third or fourth now on the list <laughs> yeah. of our wives priorities you know third or fourth well it's the kids then it's her uh, yeah. and then we then it's us, <laughs> then it's us. Yeah. <laughs> but that's fine and you your your, your relationship you've got, yeah, you got to be, just be prepared for that and build on it really yeah, yeah. Right. okay it, it, you know there's just so much that 
is amazing about it because when they're when they're little, you just stare at them in wonder, and you know you. you know, I think I must have counted my son's fingers and toes about six times. Just I couldn't, you know, because I couldn't believe that he six was toes. He was so no, no, <laughs> six times. I couldn't believe he was so perfect. There was nothing wrong with him, you know. And then and then as they as they grow, you know, they begin to you know their facial features begin to develop more because i think all new babies just look like ugly little yeah they're not very attractive not very attractive but then after after two or three weeks they begin to they they begin to sort of resemble you if you like and they begin to develop more features and then a few weeks they begin to then recognize you and they begin to smile and then they start gurgling and making noises like when i get home now my eldest always comes running in and is like daddy daddy and gives me a big hug and the youngest the four month old he just like looks at me and his whole face lights up with this big smile and it's just the most amazing Mm. experience you know and everyone i know who's got kids who are older they just tell me it just gets better and better and better until they become teenagers and then it's just like then it's game over (laughs) But it's wonderful. You, you, you just, in a way, Luke, and I'm genuine here. I'm, I'm quite um, envious that you're about to go through this for the first time because it is just an astonishing thing to go through. Yeah. It really is amazing. And just watching them develop and develop their when their character starts to come yeah. out is just incredible. Yeah, their sense of humour. They, yeah, and they start talking to you, conversing with you, and just watching how they act and behave and just run around this yeah it's incredible all right okay that's more like it yeah <laughs> but you're gonna be tired forever dude yeah. i'm tired already <laughs> yeah. so there's tidiness and then there's and then there's this there's kids tidiness it and it's, is insane and how, it's relentless how do you manage that i mean you know you, you're both uh, you've both got sort of uh, important jobs at the school how do you deal with being tired like that then where do you get I the energy know. I don't know how I've still got my job, just, to be honest. It's like, you know, you go onto sort of an autopilot, sort of, you know, reserve battery sort of yeah. state, and you just function through it. It's weird. It's like your phone has a low power mode. I pretty much am on low power mode all the time. You know, I, I go to work and I, you know, I do my job, but I, I don't move around very much. Yeah. You know, but you adapt, you know, you you, um, you evolve, I think. Yeah. Because having a second was much easier than the first in terms of sleep because I wasn't sleeping anyway. So, you know, it, it, I, I remember it being quite a shock to the system how little sleep you get at first. Yeah. This is why Andy and I always go to conferences, you see, because we get a, a couple of nice good rest. Yeah. <laughs> we but then, go to any concert, a conference anywhere outside London so we can uh, stay yep. in a hotel. But then even, <laughs> even that's tricky because you have a couple of good nights of sleep and you're body's like oh i remember this i want more of it so you end up still being knackered yeah right okay when's the next conference is there is there a tessel france conference coming there is but i'm not going to that one um actually one of the teachers here he's going to do a talk um for um one of one of his publishers so is that ed france just ed yeah ed peg he wrote uh uh, ESP series called In Company, and he's going to sort of talk about um, his book. So, did Ed, did, did Ed Pegg write In Company, the new the new version? Not the original In Company, but there's a um, the there's a new edition. series that have come out now. I think he wrote a yeah, third edition for I think it was pre intermediate, but they've started doing sort of more specific um, books now. So there's one on like investment, um, 
one on uh, supply chain management, etc. And he's contributed heavily to those. So. Okay, cool. All right, then. Um, all right, then, guys. Well, I'm glad that you gave me that test, even though I only got two questions right. Because yeah. now I feel like I know a little bit more than I, than I did before and I, uh, from that test. But also, thanks for kind of telling me a few things about what it was like for you. Maybe what we should do, Luke, is once uh, the baby's arrived, you know, once things have settled down, we should um, have another chat and, uh, you know, we could see how much of our advice helped you. And I don't think our advice... <laughs> I don't think that's good. See how tired you are and, you know, we'll see you with the big bags under your eyes. And I tell, yeah. I tell you one thing, Luke, which um, I remember very, very clearly when um, my first son was maybe three or four days old, and that is that even though nothing can prepare you for what's about to happen, you kind of instinctively know what to do. Like, I remember he was crying, and I I picked him up, and I started rocking him, and I kind of instinctively knew how to stop him from crying, and it worked. So I think you, you just... You just rely on your instincts. Yeah. You, you know, you're a clever guy. You, you pick it up. It's... I'll just use the force. Use the force, use the exactly. Force. It's all about the force at the end of the day. Yeah, okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Thank Good to you. talk to you. Good luck. Thank you very much. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll let you get back to your Friday afternoons now. Yeah. There are no, yeah. no classes at this moment. No uh, classes at this moment. So it's me scrambling around getting everything ready for next week now. So you got- um, I'm going I'm to go home now because it's, uh, it's almost five o'clock and I want to be out early today. Okay, right. Well, I'll let you go then. Uh, okay, really great to talk to you. Thanks so much for kind of explaining your experiences and things. Uh, we all appreciate it very, very much. And, yeah, and we'll speak soon. And um, good luck with everything. And um, send our love to your, your wife. So it's a really loud motorbike just passing us. Yeah, we all heard that. <laughs> that was a motorbike. And we all, like a chopper or something. You the, know. Yeah, like some sort of Hell's Angel or something going yeah. past. And there was also a police car earlier on that sounded exactly like a UFO. Not that I know what UFOs sound like. Um, I mean, we don't know. But anyway, it didn't sound like a police car. It sounded like some sort of spaceship flying past. But that's London. Yeah. They've got very advanced police over there these days. Yeah. Haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I will say... Um, so, yeah, send, send, send our love to your wife as well. And um, we wish her the best, all the best. I will do. And the same to both of your wives as well. And, you know, just have a nice weekend with the family. Yeah. Cool. Nice yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Bye-bye. So there you are. That was my conversation with Ben and Andy. Did you catch everything? Did you manage to understand every single thing that was said in the conversation. There may have been some things that you missed. Well, you know what's happening now, don't you? Of course you do. That's right. It's vocab time. Let me now go through some of the vocab that you heard in that conversation. This is a chance for you to learn some more English. And don't forget that the list of uh, phrases and bits of vocab that I'm going through here is available for you on the page for this episode on my website. Not bad at all quite helpful. I think you'll agree. Um, Now, have you actually visited the website to look at word lists? It could be the difference between you remembering the word and you not remembering it. For example, me just saying the word a couple of times in this episode is good and explaining it and giving you examples. That's good. But it's also worth actually seeing the words um, so that you know how they're spelt and so that you know what they look like because a word is 
uh, exists in many forms in our heads. You know, it's, we, we, we know a word in a number of ways. We know how it works with other words in a sentence. We know how it's spelt. We know what it looks like. We know what it feels like to write that word by hand. We know what it feels like to write the word on a typewriter. Um, we also know how it feels to say the word, so the, the sort of physical side of the word. We also know what the word sounds like when someone else is saying it. Also, we just know, for example, um, other little details, like, for example, collocations with prepositions and so on. So it's all part of the process of learning and using words. It's not just hearing me explain them and stuff, but also seeing them written down and then recording them and trying to revise and remember them and then using them yourself. So there's a whole sort of life cycle of a word. Uh, I guess you go from noticing it to learning it to using it, you know. So looking at word lists... Um, I mean, word lists that I'm explaining in episodes can be a really good way for you to kind of build your vocab. So let's go through this list then. I've got a number of items in the list. Most of these things are uh, about having babies, but there are some expressions that relate to other things, sort of bits of general English as well. So um, Ben started by saying, she told me uh, that she thought her water had broken. So... um, at the end of a pregnancy, at the, and at the beginning of the labour, the labour is, is, is another word for childbirth, the process of childbirth, that's labour. When a woman goes into labour, or when she's about to go into labour, um, this thing happens which is called the water breaking. So her water broke, or her water breaks, uh, she thought her water had broken. This is basically when, like the, the uh, let's say, the amniotic fluid... Uh, um, suddenly gets released. There are membranes that hold the this water, this amniotic fluid in place, and they rupture, and the uh, amniotic fluid comes out. And it's quite a dramatic moment, because often there's quite a lot of water that comes out. And it's the big moment that means that, you know, shit's about to get real, basically. Um, so if your water breaks, if you're a woman, it means that, you know, lots of water comes out. And it means game on. It's about to begin. So that's what that means. To We say in English, your water breaks or her water had broken. And Ben was talking about that particular day when his partner's water broke. He said, I was training someone to fill my role while I was taking paternity leave. So his role there is his job at the school. He was training someone to fill his role, meaning to do cover work for him while he was away taking paternity leave. So leave is the word we use to describe time off, time off work. There are different types of leave, L-E-A-V-E, different types of leave. Here it's a noun, an uncountable noun. You've got sick leave, that's where you take time off work because you're sick. Holiday leave, when you take time off because you're on holiday. And also we have uh, paternity leave for a man. Paternity leave is when you take time off work because um, you've had a baby. For a woman, it's longer and that's maternity leave. M-A-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y. Maternity leave for a woman and paternity leave for the father. Um, Next thing is um, uh, the contractions were pretty slow, actually. So we've talked about the water breaking when a woman goes into labour, 
there are contractions. So this is when the, the uterus, the muscles around the uterus contract, which kind of basically push the baby out. So it's the process of pushing the baby out of the uterus and it's done with contractions and you get contractions that start it they start fairly early and they can be quite slow and as you get closer towards the birth the contractions get uh, more frequent until you know it's a certain number every every few minutes um, which means that you're in the drop zone um, so contractions, that's when the, the uterus sort of uh, um, gets tighter in order to try and push out the, the baby. And, and I think it can be painful. There are different types of contractions. We, we Actually, during pregnancy, um, a, a, the mother-to-be will experience a number of different types of contractions. For example, in the third trimester, the the, gen, the the uterus can get a bit tighter. It can feel like the the bump, the baby bump, gets tighter certain, at certain mo- uh, moments. And this is essentially the uterus sort of practicing, doing a few little practice contractions. And these are called Braxton Hicks uh, contractions, which are kind of like fake contractions, not real ones. So uh, Braxton Hicks is the um, the expression we use to describe that phenomenon of sort of fake ch- contractions. Uh, that, so it took her ages to start contracting properly. Um, and then the next thing is we went to the hospital after 36 hours of labour. So labour is basically the, 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 the process of childbirth. And it can take a long time, as you can hear there. Contr- you know, the water can break, you know, and, and even 36 hours after the water breaks, you don't get a baby yet. So there can be 36 hours of contractions and, and, and so on. Um, the next thing is uh, she was already nine centimetres dilated. So to dilate, um, let's see. The, the, the term dilate means essentially kind of get wider. Now, your, your eyes can dilate. That's where, for example, if it's very dark in the room, your what is, what is it? Your pupils, the black parts of your eyes, will get wider to allow more light in. So that's when your your pupils dilate. But also, uh, in this case, for a woman when she's having a baby, her cervix can dilate. So the cervix is, you know, the, this is, um, I guess, where the baby passes through. And the cervix can be sort of uh, dilated or, or 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 not. What's the opposite of, of dilated? I suppose the opposite is constricted. But anyway, we don't say that very much. But anyway, so the process of the cervix opening to allow the baby through, this is called dilation. And um, the, at the beginning of labour, there is a certain amount of dilation, a few centimetres. But it's not until probably about 10 centimetres of dilation that the baby is actually ready to to pop out, as it were. So nine centimetres of dilation is quite advanced in terms of the labour. But, um, you know, a woman's cervix will dilate by a few centimetres and slowly during the period of labour, the dilation will become wider and wider until about 10 centimetres. And that's when it's time for the baby to come out. Um, I think Ben or Andy said, my wife was out of it. So if you're out of it, it means you're probably not completely conscious Let's say if you've taken drugs or something, you might be on another planet. You might be uh, completely wasted. Um, you could say that you're out of it. So in the case of uh, childbirth, obviously, it's when the woman has been given the epidural, which has the, it's like a nerve blocker. And so it can make the woman feel a bit spaced out. She, she might be completely out of it. 
Uh, also, if you drink or if you take drugs, uh, you might feel out of it. So, you know, if you drank, he drank all that whiskey and he was completely out of it. Or, you know, he smoked a spliff or something and he was out of it. So to be out of it means to be kind of um, um, sort of, um, what's the word for it? Kind of like under the influence of, of a drug. Um, I think it was Ben who said, they just whisked my wife away to the theatre. They whisked her away. That's a nice expression. Whisked, W-H-I-S-K-E-D. Now, we do use whisk when we're making food, like if you're battering eggs or if you're making crepes, as you heard me uh, talk to Paul about. You would need a whisk, which is a little implement uh, that allows you to whip things like eggs or to whisk things. Now, that's a whisk. We also have the expression uh, to whisk, to, to be whisked away or to whisk someone away. And that means when you remove someone really quickly, so they, they took her away really fast. So you can imagine her on her bed with wheels on it. And as soon as the, I guess, the, the labour began or the, as soon as the baby started coming out, they whisked her away. Actually, I think it, uh, in this story, um, I think it was um, Ben's wife. It suddenly became a bit critical during the birth. It must have been very scary because I think that suddenly something went wrong and all these doctors arrived in the in the room and they whisked her away meaning they you know took her away to some special room very quickly andy i think said i'm not a man for a crisis i wouldn't know what to do i'd be running around like a headless chicken here's a nice phrase to be running around like a headless chicken I think it's fairly clear, isn't it, what that one means? You may even have a similar expression in your language. But apparently, I've never done it, but apparently if you chop off the head of a chicken, its body continues to run around, headless, just crazily running around, you know, because it's got no head, but the body continues running, which is amazing. So running around like a headless chicken, you can imagine it's sort of someone running around in a panicked state, not knowing where they're going or what they're doing. So that's Andy in a crisis. He'd be running around like a headless chicken. Okay. Um, now, um, let's see. Let's see. I think this is Andy who said this. He said, my wife developed gestational diabetes, which sounds very serious, but apparently it's actually quite common. Gestational diabetes. So gestation is the process of actually making the baby in, in the uterus. It's called gestation. And gestational diabetes is a condition in which pregnant women sometimes can, can get a form of diabetes. What is diabetes? Diabetes is basically your, your body's way of dealing with sugar. So if your body struggles to deal with sugar or struggles to break it down, then um, you know it might be that you've got diabetes. And gestational diabetes is something that happens during, as I said, like um, during pregnancy. And that can cause high blood, sh uh, blood sugar. And that can affect uh, the pregnancy and the health of the baby. So gestational diabetes is a, an issue that actually a lot of women experience. Um, and too much sugar going through the placenta can make the, the baby grow too quickly. So the placenta uh, is the, it's an incredible organ. It develops with the baby and it's essentially the sort of, um, the go-between between the baby and the mother. So everything goes into the placenta and it's like an organ which feeds um, all the necessary nutrition to the baby's blood supply. 
So the baby's blood supply goes through the placenta and the mother's blood supply also goes through the placenta. And in there, um, you know, nutrients and other things like oxygen are transferred from one blood blood supply to the other. And yet the blood supplies never actually mix. So it's incredible. So the placenta is a a very important um, organ. And uh, if the mother has diabetes during pregnancy, then it can cause too much sugar to go through the placenta, which can have like negative effects on the baby, for example, making the baby to uh, grow too quickly. Um, so I can't remember who that was, but anyway, you could listen back to it and listen out for these words and you'll understand them more. In fact, in these episodes where I go through uh, vocab lists afterwards, it's always a good idea to go back and listen to the conversation again, because you'll be surprised. Honestly, you'd be very surprised how much more you notice, how much more you remember and how much more you understand. It, it really can make a big difference. Listen to the conversation, listen to me explain the vocab, listen to the conversation again. And in fact, I know I upload a lot of episodes, but if you have time, listening to episodes several times can really make a huge difference to you remembering that stuff and it staying in your head um, and you actually using it. So it can help you learn. Um, Number 14 in my list here, the umbilical cord had got wrapped around his neck. So the umbilical cord is what attaches the child to the placenta. So it comes from the belly button, the tummy button, and there's this cord that comes out. And after the child is born, the cord, the umbilical cord gets cut. Uh, But the umbilical cord can be a problem during childbirth because if it gets into the wrong position, it can become wrapped around... Uh, the child's neck, which is very dangerous. To become wrapped, R, uh, sorry, W-R-A-P-P-E-D, uh, wrapped around something. Okay, you can imagine, uh, let's say, you know, if you pick up a snake, strange example maybe, but it would it might wrap itself around your arm as you hold on to it. Well, similarly, the umbilical cord can be wrapped around the child, uh, the child's neck, which is a dangerous situation. Um So, number 15, they cut the umbilical cord and took him over to the resuscitation table. Resuscitation is the word I'm looking for here. To resuscitate someone is to bring someone back to life. Uh, And it would probably involve, like, you know, breathing, blowing uh, air into the lungs of the person or the child, or maybe even pumping the chest to get the heart going. This is called resuscitation. So, the resuscitation table is a table where... The, the newborn baby can be resuscitated. Must be a scary moment, that. Um, Andy said uh, that he went to the table to see his son. And the, and first of all, I saw this massive junk. So junk, what's that? Well, you know junk means sort of like rubbish or stuff that you don't use anymore. You know, stuff that needs to be thrown away. That's junk. But also, in in American slang, to be honest, Uh, A man's junk can mean his genitals, like the whole lot, like the balls and the penis. The whole thing is the the genitals. And a slang word to refer to all of it can be junk. So the first thing that Andy saw when he saw his son was this massive junk, meaning um, his son's private parts, as it were. Uh, This is because when babies are born, their genitals are swollen. So the first thing Andy saw was that he recognised that it was a boy because of this junk. Yeah. Um, And I think Andy said, that was me finished. I just burst out crying. 
So to burst out crying is a nice phrase that means to suddenly start crying. Burst, like if you burst a balloon. In this case, to burst out crying. Okay, so to suddenly start crying. And then, apparently, after this emotional moment, Andy's son immediately weed all over the nurse. He weed all over the nurse. Weed, um, W-E-E-D, but it's a, the past form of we. So he weed, he urinated all over the nurse, uh, the, the baby, not Andy. I don't know what Andy did, but I think he managed to keep himself under control. But apparently the baby weed all over the nurse. And then Andy felt proud, like, that's my boy. Um, I think Ben said, I held it together. If you hold it together, it means you don't lose control and you don't get too emotional. So, you know, during the drama of, of this difficult birth, he managed to hold it together. He held it together. He said, I don't know how I did because I'm quite squeamish. If you're squeamish, it means you're sensitive about, you know, things like blood or slightly, you know, disgusting things like that. Um, certainly blood. Uh, if you're squeamish, it means you can't stand the sight of blood or organs and operations and things like that. So Ben said, I held it together. I don't know how I did because I'm quite squeamish. But then he said, as soon as I got outside, that's when I really broke down. To break down, that's when you become too emotional. The emotions get the better of you and you probably start crying. You might even physically break down as well, which would mean you'd have to sit down you know, your legs can't, you can't stand on your legs anymore. But it probably means emotionally to break down, meaning to kind of get get uh, very emotional and start crying, probably. Um, they um, tried to make me feel better. They tried to um, calm me down a little bit by saying, if there are dramas, don't worry, you're in safe hands. Uh, so referring to the fact that uh, in the hospital there'll be lots of you know nurses and doctors and people qualified people around so we're in safe hands so if you are in safe hands it means the people around you are going to look after you okay you're in safe hands don't worry you're in safe hands okay um like i don't know an, an example imagine a student has come to the london school of english and on their first day they say to, um, you know, someone on reception, they say to Lee on reception, oh, you know, I'm a bit concerned. And Lee says, don't worry, this is the London School of English. We do this professionally. Don't worry, you're in safe hands. We'll help you learn English, for example. Um, next one is number 22. Um, and it's this bit of advice. You just have to go with the flow. And it's all right in the end. To go with the flow. It's a nice phrase. Do you know that one? You probably do, actually. It's the sort of phrase that you would know. If you go with the flow, it means you just sort of um, allow yourself to keep up with what's going on and that you don't resist things. You just stay relaxed and calm and take things as they come and just react to things as they come and just go with it. Just allow yourself to to um, go along with the with things and the way things are going rather than resisting them or questioning them or trying to stop things you just have to let yourself be carried along by events so just go with the flow it's like just relax calm down be cool just go with the flow um number 23 i think andy said this or uh, ben i think actually it was ben after the first two weeks of um uh, of the baby being born 
He thought it was pretty easy because the baby was just sleeping all the time. It wasn't until about three weeks later that the baby started to wake up and then started crying all the time and, and wouldn't sleep. But in the first two weeks, it seemed pretty easy. And Ben said, this is easy. I've nailed this parenting lark. I've nailed it. If you nail something, it means you, you do it really well. Okay. So well done, mate. You absolutely nailed that presentation meaning you did a really good job on the presentation. You nailed it. means you did it really well. It's a nice expression. It's a really common expression, actually. There's a video, a viral video going around of some uh, guy on a bus. It looks like an English guy on a bus, and he's doing different accents, different regional accents, and he's very good. And the, um, I think the title of the video is This Guy Nails Every Accent. Uh, so, you know, to nail an accent, meaning to get it exactly right. So Ben thought, I've nailed this parenting lark. So he thought that he was really good at being a parent because he thought it was easy at the beginning. I've nailed this parenting lark. So a lark, L-A-R-K, a lark, it's an interesting word. I think it's a, a particularly British word. Um, and um, a lark is like an activity, basically, um, like this parenting, um, this 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 parenting lark, meaning this activity of of being a parent. Uh, interesting. Um, I think it's an activity that's usually done for fun or just something that you're doing. It's a bit like a laugh. Okay, to do something for a laugh, but a lark. Yeah. Okay. So an activity, let's say, probably an activity for fun, but you can use it to refer to like a thing that you're doing. So this teaching lark, you know, I've nailed it, this teaching lark, or um, I don't know, whatever, whatever else it could be like this learning English lark is uh, it's quite fun, isn't it really? Okay, so I've nailed it, this parenting lark. That's what Ben thought. Uh, he was wrong, of course, because... <laughs> It was just the beginning. Um, and then I said, once they start to wake up, that's when it kicks in, is it? So um, meaning that when the child, after a couple of weeks of, you know, not really being aware of what's going on, when the child actually starts to wake up and become a bit more conscious, that's when it kicks in. And when I said it, I mean the sort of the challenge of the parenting. It's That's when it kicks in. If something kicks in, it means it, it really begins. It starts to take effect. So in this case, the challenge of parenting really kicks in after a couple of weeks. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other examples of kicks in. Like, you know, if you're talking about a roller coaster, you can say the ride doesn't really kick in until, uh, the, the, you know, until the second half of the, the ride. That's when it really kicks in. That's when it starts to get really um, uh, sort of uh, exciting. The film, you know, you could say the the attention really kicks in in the second half of the film. Okay, so in this case, it's the challenge of parenting kicks in once they start to wake up. Um, I think Andy said, if you can manage the people who want to see the baby, the people who hound you. So apparently when the baby's just been born, it's quite normal for lots of people to want to come and see the baby. And it's like members of family or friends and they hound you to see the baby. Hound, which is uh, a wo another word for a dog, H-O-U-N-D. If someone hounds you, it means they keep uh, asking you, they keep pestering you, uh, they keep chasing you up again and again and again 
if it's family members, it's probably because they want to see the baby. But you've just, you know, you've just had the baby. So the last thing you want to do is to have members of your fan- family round because the place is probably a bit of a mess and you're just trying to recover from having the baby in the first place and you're getting used to having, you know, a new person around. So the last thing you want really is people coming around and sort of, you know, you have to make them cups of tea and stuff. Although I'm sure it's lovely you know, to introduce your new baby to the family. But you know what I mean? It seems that a lot of people are very keen to see the new baby. And so they will ask and ask and ask and ask and they will hound you uh, to see the the child. So that's the expression to hound someone, like to constantly keep asking, asking, asking all the time. Um, Andy then asked me questions from his quiz. He found a quiz about uh, being a dad. And um, Uh, he said, to introduce the quiz, he said, I tell you what, I've got a little quiz here. So there's that, uh, that phrase again, I tell you what, which is a really nice phrase that I'm sure I've mentioned before. It's worth learning. I tell you what, which is like, I've got something to tell you, essentially. Let me tell you something, or I tell you what, and you can use I tell you what to make a suggestion or introduce something new to the conversation. I tell you what, I've got a little quiz here. Okay. And um, at one point I said, she's just gone through childbirth, so she needs to be pampered. To be pampered. P-A-M-P-E-R-E-D. To pamper someone is basically to give someone like really good treatment, to be really nice to them, to give them lots of nice things, to make them food, to make them cups of tea, to give them gifts, maybe to, um, you know, give them um, stuff like massages and stuff uh, and to just be really, really good, to pamper someone. Like if it's your birthday, you know, you'd, you'd expect to be a little bit pampered, wouldn't you? People bring you gifts, they make you food. Um, and if you're lucky, you might be given a gift like some like a day in a spa. If you went to a spa where they have massages and special types of, you know, skin treatments and aromatherapy and stuff. If you go to a spa, you expect to be pampered, don't you? Similarly, if it's your birthday or something, you'd like to be pampered. Well, I imagine if uh, a woman's just gone through childbirth, she uh, deserves to be pampered a little bit. Um, uh, we were talking about cleaning the belly button because, you know, when a child is, is newborn, uh, they've got a, a kind of fairly raw belly button because uh, the umbilical cord has been cut. And so they've got like a section of umbilical cord, which is still attached to the belly button. And eventually it just kind of falls off as the skin dies. It just falls away, but it can be a bit sort of sore. So it has to be cleaned. And they were asking me how I should clean it. And I said, what would the Native Americans do? They'd probably use buffalo turds. So a buffalo turd is a turd is a poo, isn't it? So jokingly, I said that they'd probably <laughs> use buffalo turds to clean the uh, the the belly button. Hilarious. Uh, number twenty nine, and I think we've got about five things left. When the baby is born, the mother and father are flooded with a hormone, the happiness hormone. I don't know if that's the official name of the hormone, the happiness hormone, but I think I've I've heard that when uh, the mother and father uh, um, you know, have the baby right at the beginning, there are lots of hormones that come out. In fact, both parents are flooded with a hormone. I guess you understand what that means, right? If you're flooded with something, it means suddenly there's lots of the hormone. Um, 
you can be flooded with lots of things. Obviously, you can f- be flooded with water, but you can be flooded with gifts. You can be flooded with praise. You can be flooded with a hormone, meaning that you suddenly you have lots of this hormone um, going around in your body. Um, your wife is your number one person, but she's going to be relegated, and so are you. Here's another football phrase. To be relegated is when uh, a football team gets dropped down to the the league below. So you've got the top of the league, you know, if you win or if you're in the top three, you might be promoted to the next league above. But similarly, at the bottom, if you fail and you're at the bottom of the league table and you keep losing, you will be relegated. So that's a football expression. But here, in terms of the relationship, apparently... At the moment, my wife is my number one person, but apparently she's going to be relegated because when the baby arrives, then the baby will become number one. So both my wife and me will both be relegated, apparently, to becoming the number two most important person. Um, um, So apparently we should start getting ready for that. Okay, that sounds fun. Um, um, Gurgling noises. Gurgling um, they start gurgling and making noises. This is babies. Apparently, they start gurgling before they start speaking. They gurgle. So to gurgle is to kind of make kind of um, non-specific noises. You know, like the way a baby kind of you know those sorts of noises. We just we can call it gurgling. Also, gurgling might not even be as as clear as you know da 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 ma 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 things like that. Gurgling might even be just you know just noises like that is gurgling yep okay number 32 um andy was saying uh one of the joys of being a father is seeing the 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 reactions from his kids and he said uh when he comes home the youngest his youngest son he looks at me and his whole face lights up if your whole face lights up i think it's clear isn't it it means suddenly the your whole face gets filled with joy and happiness. So you can imagine a big smile arriving on his face. Bing! And his whole face lights up. Uh, a bit like a, a, a pinball machine. You know, pa-ching! Like that. His whole face lights up with a big smile when he sees Andy come home from work. Um, on the subject of sleep, um, they were both saying that you don't get much sleep. And then if you, for some reason, you go on a business trip or something, you get a good couple of nights sleep in a hotel and your body remembers and goes, oh, I want more of this, and you end up still being knackered. So knackered is the word I'm looking at here. Knackered, K-N-A-C-K-E-R-E-D. British slang, meaning exhausted, but it's very, very common. So, you know, you get a good couple of nights sleep in a hotel, and your body remembers and goes, oh, I want more of this, and you still end up being knackered, meaning you you end up being exhausted, even if you do get more sleep, because your body just tells you that it wants more of that. And then here's the last thing in my list. Um, Once things have settled down, we can have another chat, and we can see you with the big bags under your eyes. So to settle down means to become... I guess a bit more normal again. You know, if you when you just have a baby, things might be a bit crazy. You might not be sleeping. Um, your normal uh, routine gets totally changed. But then things settle down, meaning they become more regular, more stable. Everything kind of becomes a bit more normal again. So, 
once things have settled down, we can have another chat and then we can see you with the big bags under your eyes. So if you have bags under your eyes, it means you're very tired because you get like, you know, you can actually see it. You get like grey or or dark, dark sort of... Um, your skin underneath your eyes changes and it gets a bit puffy and a bit swelled up. And these we call these bags. To have bags under your eyes or to have rings under your eyes. I wonder how you say that in your um, language. Do you say to have bags under your eyes as well? I wonder. Well, folks, that's the end of the vocab list. Again, you can see that on the page for this episode on the website. And um, I'd love to know what you think generally of these last two episodes of the podcast. Um you know, what do you think? Um, do we do things differently in the UK and in France to how you, you do them in your country? Are you shocked by anything that you heard in this episode? I mean, are there any shocking differences in the way that uh, ch- children are born, uh, where you come from? What do you think of all of that? And where do you stand on things like breastfeeding in public and uh, and epidurals and natural births and things? I'd love to know all your opinions on this stuff because I know that this is the sort of, sort of thing that actually people can be very opinionated about. Um, so, you know, feel free to jump into the comments section and, and let us know. Now, um, while I'm recording this, my, uh, my wife still has a few weeks to go in terms of uh, the pregnancy. We've got a few weeks left, but um, I'm a little bit, I don't know if I'm behind myself or ahead of myself, but I'm recording this now. It won't be published until probably a few weeks time. So who knows, by the time this has gone on online, there's a chance that uh, the the baby may even have arrived. I don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. And we'll have to wait and see how it affects things like the output of episodes of this podcast. But I think it's like I've said before, I think it's probably going to, it's it's certain to affect output a little bit at the beginning. And there might be a, a little period where um, uh, the number of episodes that get published kind of drops a little bit. But I mean, you've got enough episodes now in the archive and I've, I've uploaded so much recently. I'm sure that uh, you've got enough to keep you busy until I can start publishing again um, more regularly. But I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be the episode like the last episode before the baby arrives, or if I'll have a chance to upload another one before this. I've got lots of episodes in the pipeline, including lots of conversations that I've already recorded. So I recorded one with my dad recently. I recorded several conversations with Amber and Paul, um, and more stuff that's in the pipeline. So I don't know, if if the arrival of the baby disrupts things, I don't think it's going to be that disruptive ultimately to the podcast, because I've got lots of content which uh, I can publish in the meantime. Okay. All right, then. So wish me luck, please. Wish me luck. And uh, why don't you write your advice in the comment section on the website as well? Because I'm sure that many of you out there have had children. So if you want to share your experiences or give me any advice, I mean, I'm sure that for some of you, there were some things that you didn't know before you had a baby that you wish you had known about the sort of thing that could really prepare you, that you really should have known, that someone should have told you. Well, uh, that's what I want to know. Please do share all of your insights, all of your tips and, you know, advice. I really want to know all of it. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll speak to you on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 
Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.